Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Tuesday, 28th November, 2023. You are here for the off-season slash pre-season episode of the Tiger Town podcast. It is November. We're in the festive spirit here now. We won't see or hear or talk at any of you before Christmas time. So we're getting in the jingle jingle spirit. Toby's on that end. I'm on this end. Good to have you. Mate, how are you going, Steve? Wow, that was a really long intro. Must be really yeah, exciting. I had seven eggnogs. Yeah, 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 but like without the milk and the nog, just the rum. No, just purely cocaine, mate. <laughs> That's why I'm twitching. Well, to all the kids that are listening to this, welcome. Don't um, listen to us, baby. Tis the season, kids. Get into it. Anyway, mate. Doesn't it doesn't snow in Australia, mate? In come yeah, summer. You, you good? Yeah, good, mate. Good yourself. Not too bad. What's been happening in the world of uh, in the world of Toby? Oh, mate, haven't been upset every weekend. Haven't been deflated. Haven't been angry, but also haven't had any passion for about two months, three months. So, oh, yeah. you know, I haven't had a roller coaster of emotions. So, it's been good, but it's been boring. So what you're trying to say is you, you're missing your footy. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Mate, I missed my footy after grand final. I didn't. I will put my hand up and say I barely watched any of that Pacific test sort of tests. Uh, I am not all of that enthralled with International Rugby League these days. Yep. So, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it is what it is and, you know, we've still got a lot to talk about come Tiger Town, and I guess with everything that's uh, going on in the background these days, I, this is going to be an interesting podcast. Bit to talk about, mate. Sorry about that. I had to shut the door out the front. Um, yeah, a bit to talk about. I agree with you with it. when it comes to international footy. I like international footy. It's still good football, high-quality football. Something about it, though, that just doesn't capture you like Clubland does. Or and, Origin. And it doesn't. It doesn't, yeah, same with Origin. Uh, I wonder if it's the timing of it too. I think we all get a little bit maybe, um, <laughs> I don't know about footied out. I could watch footy all year round, I think. I think. Supporting the Tigers might test that, but I think. Um, but, yeah, just something about it I find it a little bit hard to engage. I do love it, and um, but I'm in agreement with you on that one. I didn't watch as much. In fact, to be perfectly honest, the most excited I was was to watch the likes of um, – uh, Appy Sakuru played for Fiji uh, to watch Bull have a run for Fiji. I was really hanging out for Latu to get a run for Tonga. They ended up playing something like 14 minutes off the bench as reserve. Yeah. I was a bit disappointed in one game. I was a bit disappointed by that. But, um, yeah, those are the things that excited me the most, I think, about that series. Yeah. I think that's the Being thing. The to get I'm as Australian yeah. as they come. But seeing the old guard with boring old selections um, – and Mal Maniga running the show, who's just, I don't rate at all as a coach. Um, 
It's kind of good to see him get their, their pants pulled down. The listeners will sit there and they'll uh, they'll have their comments about the eight straight, but it's a pretty well known fact that Michael Hagen did a lot of that coaching back then. So, um, yeah, not only that, should we, should we rattle off the names in that side? Yeah, it'd be very hard to lose a game when you have you know a team full of future immortals. I tell you, mate, I've got three wheelie bins out the side, right? I've got a recycling, I've got a green waste, and I've got a general waste wheelie bin. The general waste wheelie bin's got a big crack down the back of it because I once tried to put a few pieces of concrete in. I shouldn't have done it. Don't do that, okay? Point being, that <laughs> cracked wheelie bin could have done a better job coaching or at least an equal job coaching that Queensland side as what Mal Meninga could have done. See, I, I was going somewhere with that. I had no idea where you were going with that, if I'm being honest, but... You got to trust the process, mate. He's got jokes. He's got jokes. Oh, he's a joker. What a joker! He is a bit of a joker, mate. Let's um, let's dive right in because in a rare piece of form, I've actually got a run sheet tonight. We're not running off the um, off the cuff. There it is, right there. It's a, it's mate. It's a list as long as, well, my proverbial, not so much yours, but certainly mine. Um, so we've got a bit to get through, mate. Might be a long show here. Let's kick it off with your opinion. Have you been following the preseason at all? We're a good, what, four weeks in now. Some of the big boys are back in back in action. Have you been following along? Oh. Have you looked at a couple of the, the photos, some of the commentary? I think Ben's has even done a coaching insider. What do you, yeah, what yep, do you notice? Yep. Kept up to date with a lot of that stuff because there's not much else to watch sports-wise. My team in the NFL are going like shit. So, um, yeah. Welcome to my life. So, yeah. Yeah, but see, I'm not used to I'm not used to poor performances when it comes to the NFL because I've gone for the Patriots for 20 years. So, yeah, get used sucks. to it because the Tom Brady's don't fall off trees, and neither do neither do Gronks, and neither do whoever yeah, else you had thought, in your side. Well, we thought there was going to be a Max uh, Mac Jones revival, but it never happened. We digress. Yeah. We talk about NFL. Let's talk about NRL. Correct. Yes. To answer your question, that was about five minutes ago. Yes, I have been keeping up to date with all the preseason and that ever ever predictable optimism comes back. It's let me down well, eleven years in a row. But they got us again, haven't they? They've just uh, I don't know how they do. I do. They just go straight down to the tackle store. This is this is the, the admin the admin. They go, hey, guys, new season, another failure last year. We need another big batch of lures. Oh, just the regular West Tiger supporters special. Yeah, mate, load us up. They just bait that hook. They toss it out, and all of us are like, you beauty, let's get a feed. Next minute, you're in a uh, deep-fried um, fish in, wrap. You're in 17. You know you missed the perfect opportunity for a pun there? You said load me up with a fresh batch of lures. You could have said load me up with a fresh batch of blue eyes. I would Get have it? made that joke. I would have made that joke. You're right. I would have made it. But I'm I'm funny, so I, I chose not to. Well, you know, that that's still up for debate if you're funny or not. Um, you certainly are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hilarious. Like, ask my daughter. Look, look, She's the funniest look, thing in the world. Hilarious looking, yeah. Um, so, hey, what mate, um, <laughs> a uh, few faces around training, a few new new types of faces that um, mm-hmm. 
people may or may not be familiar with. Um, you made mention of one. You you asked me a question uh, via yes, message. Day or two back, who was who caught your eye and why? Uh, I've forgotten his name, but you'll probably <laughs> remind me. Um, yeah. So there was a there was a. Um, Image of a very, it was a young kid, couldn't have been older than 18, but he looked tall, he looked solid, and he looked like um, basically a Greg Inglis clone. So I've sent you a message saying, I have not seen this kid before. Who is he? And is he a winger? And his name is Navren Willett. I don't know if I got the first name right, but um, yeah. And then as you tend to know all about these up-and-comers and these juniors, you rattled off his stats and found an article about him signing. He apparently got thwarted. Uh, he got uh, hunted by the Sydney Swans as well, so just a gifted, gifted athlete. Um, and, yeah, he's definitely caught my eye. Mainly I haven't seen anything from him in terms of what he's played and how he's played, um, but his stature and I guess his resemblance to an English, to a Luttrell, really um, – I don't know, it really wants me just to keep a bit of an eye on him. Yep. Yeah, Navarin Willett. Um, he's just one of a series of, of young guns that have arrived at the club this year. Came from um, up Tari Way. I think he even played a little bit of Harold Matz, maybe, with Newcastle. Um, yep. signed, we signed him last year. He's six foot six, just 18. Um, he's been playing the, the local group. I'm not sure what the group is down that way. It's a group four down at Tari. Well, um, is now group three. It used to be group two, so it might be group five now. Oh, they're not group two anymore. Okay. Yeah, all right. Or whatever it is down that way. Um, yeah, centre come winger. has been tearing him to shreds up there. Um, he's just one name you happen to mention. Yeah, so Navrin Willett's there. Um, so there's a, there's a whole bunch that have been there. Obviously, the first couple of weeks, we see a lot of the extended summer training squad. Uh, and you see a lot of the juniors... Uh, as young as probably SG Ball and Flegg, um, a few of the few of the hopefuls that are playing Cup and whatnot, you see some of the development players there. And then you see the first graders, the fringe first graders, or those on, on the, the edges of the 17 tend to come in. Um, and then you obviously see see your big guns come back, all of which ours haven't, obviously, because we had a few that were in that that series. So, yeah, there's a couple there. He's one of them. Um, there's a, a series of others as well. I won't go through all of them because I'll probably leave a few of them out, but... Yeah, definitely a few new fresh faces. Very young-looking squad um, from the training photos we've seen so far. Yeah, definitely. It looks like, um, obviously, they're trying to get a, a fair few um, of those fresh faces around some of the oh, – before all the experienced players come back, and that's generally what they do anyway. But given what our coaching staff is now, it, it, I find it quite exciting about what these guys – because you think about it, Half of those kids would have idolised Benji, would have idolised Robbie. Um, yeah, Hyington and Morris can probably give or take. You know, they're great players, but they probably weren't in the headlines as much as the other two. Um, so yeah, having that them come through and really learn and I guess absorb the knowledge that those four have. You know, it, it definitely bodes well for our future. I, I, I we've been harping on this for two years now we we all we believe that our future is quite bright the issue is our presence present is very bleak so um not only that but the transition period from where we are 
into that spot and making sure we're maximising and maximising development, maximising the transition of those players into being first graders and then getting the balance of the squad right too. Like you can have all the best juniors in the world, but if they're all centres or they're all second rowers, you don't have balance in that squad. So that's the challenge too, right? 100%. 100%. And that's, I think that's one of the main reasons that I guess Benji really needed an experienced half, I guess, to steer everything around and somebody that had a voice as well. Um, and obviously we've done that in signing Caesar. But it was also really pleasing to see that, um, you know, the other half that we signed that, you know, we've got hopes for, not just obviously not Fino, but um, we're talking about Sullivan here. Just He came back three weeks early, didn't have to, but he wanted to get a head start. He wanted to make a name for himself as a Tiger, which is, you know, you've got to be impressed by that that sort of mentality because, you know, you see it time and time again, these people come through on big ticket money, you know, you know, big ticket items. They've got a lot of money. They don't show up. They put, you know, barely anything in the field. I'm, I'm not pointing fingers here, but we all know that I'm talking about Nofaluma. Um And they just don't offer anything and it, it sort of translate on translates onto the field. Where you see things like that, that attitude, that hungry, I guess, the hungriness that comes with that. That's something that I want to continuously see. And um, yeah. yeah, that was really well, You want them to be hungry. They're a really, they're a really young squad. You want them to be hungry. But to your point, yeah. particularly from the new, the new faces coming in. Um, 100%. Fun fact about Bud, Bud Sullivan is that um, he doesn't drink. So you think a lot of young players on, on decent um, salaries and things, you think, you know, all, all, most, most of them, you assume, don't mind a bit of a party or mind... You know, the yeah, young man. Yeah, exactly right. And so you look at the amount of times that people fall foul um, of the law when they're NRL players. More often than not, it involves one or two things. It's either drinking or it's drugs. Um, oh. And so just the fact that he's a 21-year-old bloke who doesn't touch the drink is like that in and of itself is encouraging. It has no bearing on how he's going to play on the football field. But to your point as well, like if you're looking for um, – behavioural traits or if you're looking for the types of things that you want to see in somebody that is showing dedication, that's to me, that's somebody who is taking his professional um, life as an athlete seriously, if nothing else. Well, he's a, and that's he's a dad encouraging. Too, Bud Sullivan, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, swear don't think he, so. I swear when he toured the facilities before he signed, he brought his daughter with him. Could be wrong. Quite possible. Um, I don't think, I don't think so, but I might, I might okay. have missed that one, but. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, it's good to see. You know, another couple of faces you mentioned and I mentioned, we both mentioned um, Latu Fayuna, someone who, to be perfectly honest, I haven't been that excited about a signing in a very long time. Yeah, um, he very as happy. He is a kid. Um, uh, but he and, he and Samuela as well. So Samuela's been there since day one yep. for the most part. I think he's been there since day one, yeah. And he looks to be happy and, and doing his thing. Um, I think he's somebody who'll grow into his role a fair bit, being that he's a traditionally an edge forward who's, probably moving towards the middle and he's only 19 and we all know that, you know, middle forwards and forwards in general, you know, it takes a, a little bit of time to sort of mature into your body and uh, yeah. and be able to, to tackle men, not just tackle, but to, to go into combat against men head on week after week. Um, and at 19, you're a kid, even if you're a big kid, so that'll take a bit of time. But no, it, it's nice to see a few of those faces around. Aiden C, as you mentioned as well. Mate, I might just jump in 
we're going to have to try to keep moving as best we can, but we'll, we'll let it flow as we normally do. I want to jump into the development boys that um, that we've got on the go for next year. So we've got Tony Sukar, who's a Balmain local, who's a second rower. We've got yep. uh, Solomon Sakuru. I said Abby Sakuru before. Maybe it was Solomon I was talking about. Either way, um, Solomon is probably, as far as I can tell, there's three Sakuras in the system, and I think Solomon is the pick of them. Solomon, from memory, is someone who has played in the junior grades everywhere from prop to fullback to wing, um, such as his versatility. Yeah, and, and he's a bit of a weapon too. Um, I think he's quick, he's strong, he's powerful, he's skillful, and he's one that sort of slipped under the radar a little bit. So he's one to keep an eye out four. Uh, I think that we will see Solomon play uh, Jersey Fleck definitely and a fair bit of cup this year. We've got uh, Kitlea Lali'i that we saw come in yep. for his debut at the end of last year. Very raw. Same thing. Young kid. Uh, 18. Might be 19 now, I think. We've got Chris Agutu, who Your fave. Personally, hey? Your fave. You love him. Yeah, he is. He, he's my favourite. My favourite junior in the system. Maybe not now that Latu's there, but um, he's he's my favourite junior forward in the system. I think he can he can be absolutely outstanding. I can't wait to see what he he's going to bring. And then an interesting one out of St George is twenty two twenty three year old winger who's been playing New South Wales Cup. Uh, Alex Lobb, yeah, quite a quite a tall fella, uh, reasonably well built. He's a goal kicker too. I think he was top point point scorer. Point scorer, maybe. yeah, New South Wales Cup. New South Wales Cup last year, yep. So he's on a development deal as well. So um, all the attributes, uh, he certainly to definitely push for a starting wing spot now. Whether he does or not remains to be seen. We might talk a little bit more about that in the squad list down the line. But that's our development um, our development faces for next year, for all five of them. And I think, uh, I think all of them move up to top 30 next year at this stage. So I think we'll have to wait and see if that's Is Lachlan Galvin in or he went straight into the top 30, didn't he? Galvin is straight in the top 30. Um, yeah, I don't think he's ready. But we can, no. again, another name that we can talk with. As we said, there's a lot to talk about at the moment, but that's all right. We'll get there. Mate, out of those names, is there anybody um, that you in particular like the look of or that you know a little bit about as well? Well, I think um, I know um, obviously – Chris Fiagutu, just because you told me to watch him. Um, so I watched a little bit of his, you know, youth highlights. And he's definitely raw, but he's got a lot of, like, I guess, um, base power. He's really stable to the ground, which means, you know, I think maybe you likened him to him or maybe we agreed upon the fact that he's very much built like a Tamalolo. Um, yeah, that's what I was about to say. For those that haven't seen him, um, think of a bit of a Tamalolo type. Yeah. He he's not quite have the size, but he's certainly got the power. But for me, from the couple of games I saw him playing Cup and the one game he played for us, I want Lowley to just develop and just grow. And I can't wait for him to be something special because I think he's going to be. What I saw from him, he wasn't scared against playing against men. He wasn't he wasn't intimidated by the push up in, I guess, skill set when you go from New South Wales Cup to um to the NRL and he was so strong consistently strong he put on some very good hits um had good a really yeah yeah he was he reminded me a lot of like a um like a warrior Hargraves when he first came into grade when he was playing for Manly um 
just ran with purpose, consistently ran with purpose. You know, it wasn't, it doesn't, didn't, doesn't have that aggression of JWH, but yeah, that could be something that potentially comes with time. But I love forwards that run off the back fence consistently and hit hard. And he's also got, uh, he had a little bit of a step to his thing. Very, very similar to, um, oh, wow, how have I skipped on his name? I love him. Polo? Yeah, Polo. I had Fine in my head, and I'm like, no, no. Yeah, very much like Apollo, and we all know that Apollo is probably one of our best up-and-comers and has been for the best two or three years. Yeah. And I think it could be very similar to that. And something like that, like you think about, you know, Pole is probably entering his third year of top grade consistently, you know, uh, definitely debuted in 2022, I'm pretty certain, played majority of the back end of that year, then he played most of last year. Um, and I don't know if anyone remembers, but there was a time when we had the Bash brothers off the bench. We had James Gabay and uh, Marty Tapao. Um that can be very similar. 2014, sort of. I think. Yeah, 2014. And that was like, I remember you and I sitting there going, do not let any of them go. And then what happened? They both won. Yeah. Yeah, Tapia was a, a fair loss, but um, yeah, I don't know, Gavay sort of bounced around a little bit and went up at Brisbane, the Warriors, and never really did a whole lot. But No. Yeah. Yeah, mate. So, um, yeah, a lot of juniors floating in around the system. Um. And it'd be interesting. It's always the case, I find, that there's often one or two that sneak into the NRL setup over the course of the year that are really sort of come from left field or they're a bit surprising or whatnot. I mean, last year, obviously, Dream Buller is the perfect example. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who sort of steps forward a little bit when it comes to, um, yeah, just advancing and, and what 20... What surprise packets 2024 is going to have in terms of our squad or extended squad at least? The good thing about development players in under the new contract rules or the new squad rules is that all five of those are eligible from round one, so they can play all season, uh, and the train and trialists from round 10, which is not dissimilar to how that was in the past. Uh, so effectively, you have a 35-man squad if you talk about those development players as well. Uh, yeah, okay. Which... In our case, all bar Alex Lobb are forwards. <laughs> I guess I guess um, Solomon Sakuru has a lot of versatility and can play back, uh, back line too. So I guess that's that's a good thing. But if if um, if Kit is uh, ready to go, or, or Chris, who I think is probably a bit raw, like you said, is ready to go, then there's every chance that they can make the seven eight. Yeah, like I think that there's for the first time, like we have. Well, most of this year, we've never really been displeased with our forward pack. We always had people push, like knocking on the door, testing those guys that were in the 17, making sure that um, you know, they had to perform or they could have been dropped. Perfect example was in 2022, Alex Safarth just kept getting picked, kept getting picked, kept getting picked, probably because we had nobody pushing him, nobody really challenging that spot. And then this year he had to improve or he would have been dropped out. And I've said this time and time again, he was probably my biggest improver all year. Um, so it's really, really positive to see that that has developed. If only that's de- that could have developed over the whole squad in terms of our back line, in terms of our halves, that would have been really good too. But 
you know, at least we've got that part sorted and we can work on the other parts. Speaking of Seifarth, um, we saw both Seifarth and Staines re-signed um, since the grand final. And, and 12, sorry, yep. Uh, and obviously we saw the release a week or two back um, of Brendan Webster-Mansfield and Tristan Riley. So they freed up a couple of spots. With Staines re-signing, that puts us at 29 current spots available. Now, one that I didn't have on my list, which is silly, I should have had it immediately on my list, um, is the speculation of the long, uh, long drawn-out process around Sean Bloor and Justin Ollum and whether or not there's a swap happening there. So that obviously won't affect squad numbers because it would be a, um, a one-for-one replacement. Mate, just relatively briefly, I'm sure we could break it down, but um, what would what's your take if that goes through on that swap? It's needed from both sides. Like, we're not Storm fans. We will never be Storm fans, but they need forwards. We need a quality outside back. Um, it's, you know... I'm all for it, and don't get me wrong, I think that when it goes through, because apparently it's a given now, um, everyone's like, uh, Sean Bloor, he followed Melbourne Storm online, so he's going. I'm like, okay, because that's an indication. But apparently it is, it's it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, I'll be very happy with that. The issue for me with that is you and I both agree that one of our best players last year is an out-and-out centre, and that is Tupo. Um and then we've also got, you know, obviously a bloke that probably cemented his spot in the centres this year in in top. Um, and then you've also got Felitti coming through who had a, you know, an, an okay debut, but um, he'll definitely be pushing. So I guess it's good that we've got that depth and we've got that challenge for spots, but I hope that signing Olam doesn't push one of these young guns out the door. I really do. Uh, it clearly won't happen to Dog because I think he extended for two years this year. Um, so that's done and dusted. But obviously there's reports that the Roosters, oh, surprise, surprise, are going for Tupo as well as the Raiders. Um, now the Ra- he is actually a Canberra boy, um, played for the Brumbies in the Junior Rugby League, uh, Junior Rugby Union. Um, so there is a potential of him going back there, which would annoy me a lot because I think he is definitely somebody that we could see a lot of success around. So that's my only concern if that goes through. Hmm. Yeah. If we, if we segue into Tupo, uh, oh, I, I agree with what you said about Bloor and Ollum first and foremost. Uh, I like Sean Bloor and I think that he offers a lot. I think he's quality. I think he's got a, I don't think he has a tremendous ceiling, though. I think he, he can be a really good first-grade footballer, but I think he's far more replaceable at the moment in particular in terms of what we need. Like you said, we need centres. Like yeah. Even like Felitti's not ready. Even Tower is very inconsistent, has the capacity, but he's still very inconsistent. The other option is Kapoa, no, um, and Brent Naden, who had an awful year last year, combination of terrible form, being played out of position on the wing at certain points, and then he had a bunch of injuries as well. So we are so skinny in the centres. It's not yeah. even funny. We don't have a tremendous amount of centres coming through. Um, like I said, you mentioned Felitti. Obviously, he's he's um, one we've had earmarked for a little while. Tupo is obviously there as an option, but I think the club, at least at the moment, is seeing him as a winger. Um, and 
you know, rightly so. I think he, he had a really great year on the wing last year as well. So I think bottom line that we just, we need someone like Olam. Um, I don't know. In many ways, it's got BJ Leilua written all over it, but I don't think it's to the same degree. And I think you can speak to the personality types in a way as well. I heard some whispers on, um, yeah, I heard some whispers uh, today on um, one of the, one of the offshoot radio programs, they were they were insinuating that something might have gone down uh, behind the scenes, and that's why he fell out of favour a little bit. I have no idea what it is. Sounded like the journos that were talking about it both were in agreement about what it actually was. So it might be somewhat common knowledge in those circles, but um, if that's the case, that actually makes me feel better because it's not purely form or attitude that he was dropped. It would have been something outside of that, which means he's still possibly the player that he always was, and. Um, how old's Olam? I think he's 29, isn't he? Or 30? Yeah, I think he's 29, and I think the the deal that's on the table is for three years. Well, that's what he's currently got left on his contract with Melbourne, and I think it's a relatively healthy one. Yeah. Um, three years is, is a fair commitment at this stage, but I don't know. I, I think, not I think, we need centres, and that solves one centre issue. Um, and so, yeah, we've got to do it. I, I don't want to lose Sean Blue in a lot of ways, but we're pretty flush with decent prospects in the forwards. Certainly at the moment, edge forwards, we've got them covered in terms of Papali'i and um, and Bateman. So, yeah, we'll see what plays out there. Um, now, before we get on to the big one, uh, Adam Fanua Blake is um, obviously a name that's been fr- floating around in the last couple of weeks since the Warriors agreed to release him from his contract, not next year, but for 2025. So, lucky him, he's basically got all the the seller dwellers that are in a position to buy him. One, because they're only going to release him to a Sydney team. And two, yep. because St. George, the Bulldogs and us are the teams that have the money to be able to pay for him. What I want to ask you is, one, would you pay big money for him? And two, if you would, what squad moves would you do to make that happen? Straight off the bat, no. No, I think we're, like I said before, I think we're, pretty well stocked in the uh, in the forwards department. Um, there's been, you know, obviously the rumours going around that maybe Clem has been floated somewhere else or something like that. I think Clemmer did an absolutely amazing job last uh, this year. I think he was very underrated. Um, we know what Steph can do. We know that Steph is probably a future captain of the club. Um, Just on Clemmer. Clemmer's numbers last year were elite. Yeah. Last year in 2023, he was the best numbers of his career. Yeah. He ran for us. Sorry, not the best numbers of his career. They may well be. He played the most games of his career. He ran for 139 metres on average, and he tackled at uh, 98.9% efficiency. He made over 600 tackles, and I think he missed seven. And that's the thing. If he was playing, if he was, you know, in the Knights doing that and they made that run to the final, he'd be praised for everything. But the issue was he was playing for us, and we just didn't have the attacking prowess to finish the platform that he set up. That's it. Like, yeah. we would never... No, never it's, a no to Paul Blake. it's a no to Fanua Blake from you then. No, no, no to Fanua Blake. I don't think we need him. I don't want to waste money on him. You? Okay. Um, I would, but I'd be doing it as a trade. I'd offer... <laughs> it wouldn't take it, but I'd offer up Alex Twole first and foremost. Webster's <laughs> familiar with Twole. Um, yeah. But if they wanted a big fish, 
I'd be prepared to swap Clemmer as much as I just sang his praises. Aiden Fennell Blake is, he's not Payne Haas, but he's the next closest thing to a game-changing forward in the game now. He, in my opinion, is what Andrew Fafita was for the Sharks when he was at his best. He's that good at the moment. And it's not just the numbers that he does, but what he brings in terms of energy and mongrel and the whole bit to a side, unless, you know, last year or the last couple of years have just been a complete um, sort of out-of-the-blue occurrence, uh, yeah, he, he's pretty quality. But that being said is I don't want to spend, which probably rules us out, I don't want to spend more than about 700 to 750 on him. Yeah, Rumours are at the yeah. moment that Warriors have got him on, it wouldn't be a million, but it's pushing up in that territory. And yeah. for me, I'm with you, that's too much money. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if we get him for a reasonable price, yes. But if I'm not, I'm not moving heaven and earth to get him. Um, yeah. Interesting. I didn't think of the trade, but do you know who I'd give? And which could definitely be on the table is Papaliti. That was my second one. I didn't get to it. Yeah. 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 That's um, who I'd give because yeah. I think that could definitely be on the table. He'd, he'd love to go back to New Zealand. Um, mm. prove that he's count, come back a better footballer. Um, and if that trade could happen, it would free up our space. But again, he will probably, like, he, he'll get snapped up by, I think at this point, I think the Dragons will snare him and I think they'll pay a million dollars a year for him. Mm. He's a Dragons junior. And yeah, did, that's why. Yeah, and he did fall out with him, though, before, when he, before he left the Manly. Fulton, apparently, him and his father probably more so, Bob, were instrumental in getting him to Manly in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, and he's very tight with the Fayuno family, uh, with Moses Suley and with um, Alokawatu. They've got a very close Blacktown, West Sydney clique. They're, they're like family, apparently. So, um, yeah, it'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see if that plays out any um, plays any role in the decision-making. Yeah, yeah, it will. Um, but bottom line, won't pay that money that he's after because yep. we don't need forwards. As much as, like yep. you said, he's probably the second best prop in the game. No disputing that, none at all. But um, I'm not wasting cap on that. I'm wasting cap on, I don't know, like probably the next person we're about to talk about. One second, sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry, I just had a visit. Um, that's all right. So the other thing is um, we obviously re-signed Charlie Staines, which is good news. Um, in my opinion as well, just back to Tupo, I think, not I think, I know for a fact, when we, when we get to the predi- predicted lineups for next year, Tupo and Staines are my wingers. I can't find space for Nofaluma. In fact, I hope in many ways that, they are doing their very best to shop him around. I'm sure that's probably the case. Um, I know he hasn't been the, the favourite son necessarily and probably prime, primarily due to his output in the last couple of years since he signed that, um, that monster extension, um, which, is, which is quite a decent one and, and best of luck to him for that. But if they can find some taker for that half a million dollar odd contract that Noffa has on the table, then... Uh, I don't think anybody will be too sad about seeing him go, but seeing Staines re-sign um, is very pleasing because yeah. for me, not only is he uh, probably the best winger in the club, 
and you know Tupo as he gets better hopefully will start to push him in that regard. But Staines is now Buller's fullback uh, backup, which prior to that we maybe you could put yeah, Stafford back there, but that's yeah. a big stop. Um, but in terms of confidence with a with a backup, Staines to me is like Alex Johnson at Souths. Um, definitely does the job. Very safe, yeah. very brave, very quick. Positional play is good. He might not have the silky hands. He might not be the man beater one on one, but very pleased to have Staines uh, in that yeah. side having reached You and I were both in agreement that that was going to be, excuse me, we wanted that to be a priority resign because yeah. what he offered, yeah, he didn't even play the second, pretty much the second half of the season. But the impact he had in that first half, he was probably one of our best in a very poor side. Um, mm. So, yeah, very happy with that. And like I said, yeah. I it just now means that we've got um, we've got enough to just lob an offer into New South Wales Cup. We don't have to have him in there, in there anymore. And mm. you know, I think he'll probably just take his money and go home. I don't think he has the, yeah. the fire or the drive to succeed or to excel in his position. I think he just wants to earn a paycheck and then go home and, you know, do that in New South Wales Cup. Yeah. Be interesting to see how that plays out. It'd also be interesting to see if there's any other um, squad movements that we see between now and next year, at least in terms of freeing up spots. You know, I've heard whispers of Kapoa. I've heard whispers of Jake Simpkin. Um and offer obviously another one, the Daily Telegraph, I think, mentioned today that, um, you know, we had entertained, not entertained offers, but we had at least had the discussion, I think, that he's free to to explore his options is the, the phrase they love to use. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he is a name on that list and, and if, I, when. Surely he's, um, he's a bloke that wants to travel the world. Just go to Super League. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, the prime, uh, prime opportunity for you, mate. Yeah, exactly. Like, go play go play for Catalans. You know, you want to live in France for a few years. Yeah, All right. Let's get on to the big one. Yes. Boombox man himself. Hmm. Brian Toto. Now, do you... <laughs> that was good. Um, it wasn't that good. Not much. It was pretty good. Jerome I mean. Luai. Yeah, Jerome Luai plays 5'8 for the Penrith Panthers. He is, barring injury, the incumbent New South Wales. I'm getting there. Jeez, mate. It's a long bloody CV. Give me a a chance, okay? Uh, Barring injury, he's the incumbent 5'8 for New South Wales. Uh, Four grand finals in a row, obviously three premierships in a row, playing in the halves. And as you correctly said, took Samoa to a uh, World Cup semi, World Cup final. Semi. Um, Playing in halfback. Fun fact as well, through the juniors, Luai was predominantly the halfback and the organising half with Nathan Cleary playing running 5-8 outside of him, um, which is an interesting interesting proposition. Not unlike in many ways the way that Noffer and Tedesco played juniors together. Tedesco on the wing and Noffaloon was the fullback. Interesting there how these things play out when they mature into, um, into their roles as NRL players. Yeah. So, first thing I want to talk about, mate, uh, it's been bandied around, as the media love to do, many times. 1.4 a season. That's false. The offer is not 1.4 a season. It, it appears to be inclusive of third parties, more like on along the tune of something like 4.5 over 4. So let's say it's 1.1. What do you make of that price? First and foremost, I guess, 
Are you a fan of signing Jerome Luai to the Tigers? Yes. Price, 1.1. Thoughts? Look, if you're going to shell out that sort of money, that is the position you do it for. Um, you, or, like I or said, fullback. No, or fullback. You know, you don't do that for a AFB, for a forward. You don't do it for a pain house for a forward. You do it for a halfback or a fullback or potentially a hooker if they're a game-changing hooker. Um, but If your name's playing ass, you're, you're probably going to go down as the best prop of all time if your current trajectory continues. Maybe yeah. you could argue. I take your point. But, um, yes, I look, is he worth that? Hard to, hard to know because, yes, he's uh, a 5'8", um, against probably one of the greatest halfbacks you and I will ever see. And I said one. I didn't say he was. I said he was one of them. Um, but I think we need – I feel like that can be a catalyst to a lot of change within this club. So do I think he need, he deserves that? Don't know. Will I pay that? Yes. Yep. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 1.1 is fair enough. He, you look at, look at his CV alone. I've spoken several times before about how the fact that Penrith actually have a better win rate uh, with him and no Cleary than with Cleary and no him. Now, that doesn't always speak to everything, doesn't pull everything into context. How did they play on the day? Who else was out? Uh, what opposition were they coming up against? I guess that's a, I get that's only half the story. But you cannot deny that somebody who's won three premierships in a row playing half, playing five eight, um, somebody who's had the Origin games, and then particularly Samoa playing that um, organising halfback role for them, and what he did with that side um, as well. So let's talk about how the salary cap has also gone up. Uh, Brooks, by all reports, on a heavily back-ended deal, was on something similar last year as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And people are balking in four years' time, still playing Luai in that realm of 1.1, which what will four years' time be if it was to come in 2025? It's going to be 2028. If you're still paying your 5.8, 1.1 in 2028, at which point the salary cap is going to be higher and higher again, and he doesn't have a ratchet clause, which means it's not tied to the salary cap increases, that's good value for money. Um, the other thing that I want to raise as well is point me to a half of the 5.8 or, um, or a 7 who recently, Mitchell Moses might be a name comes to mind, or foreseeably in the future, is going to become available and is a legitimate chance of coming to our club. I can't think of anybody. Nobody in the league. Jerry Evans is going to retire soon. Adam Reynolds is going to retire soon. Uh, Cameron Munster is on a lifetime deal at the Storm, going nowhere. Nico Hines is on a lifetime deal at the Sharks. He's going nowhere. Um, who who else have we got when we go through, you know, these gun halves? You know, Cody Walker, possibly, although, you know, does, does not have anywhere near the resume of Jerome Luai. And same thing, he's only got a year or two left as well. Um what other big names are we thinking of? And we think of, like, obviously Cleary, you know, being the other one. Cleary's going to play out his career most likely. At, at I, I honestly exactly think right. if Penrith ever let Cleary go, either of the Clearys, they, if they don't go out on their own accord, there'll be a riot at Penrith Stadium. They'll never yeah. let those two go. Um, yeah. But so if they... There you go. 
going to say, so the point being as well is, I think Benji mentioned something similar. If you have a world-class player become available and you have an opportunity and the money and a legitimate chance to sign them, unless you've got a player who is also world-class in their position and there's no possibility of fitting them into the squad and it just simply doesn't fit, you probably look for look to fill them look to put them in there. Yeah. Okay. Not only that, but some halves are interchangeable. What I mean by that is some halfbacks can play five eight and some five eights can play halfback. Brooks, I, I believe, can do both. Depending on the team he's in, obviously the results might not be there, but he's an example of a half that can do both, in my opinion. Um, someone like Cameron Munster, I don't necessarily see. No. Someone like Jack Slayton, no. certainly. Jack, someone like Jack White, and most certainly not. Um, even like I mentioned, Cody Walker. I don't know that Cody Walker would make a, a, much of a halfback at all. Just different players. Someone like Luai, though, I think has the cap- capabilities to be able to do both and has done both for Samoa. Obviously did, did both in the juniors as well. Um, and so the value uh, and the opportunity for the Tigers to be able to quite possibly... Uh, be able to nab a player of his calibre, whether or not we just filled our squad with four halves or not, you just do it and you make it work. And then the benefit to that is if you've got the likes of Lockie Galvin, Latu Faina, who are both 18, and Bud Sullivan, who's 21, how good? Because then all you've got is a shootout. Aiden Sees is gone. Dewey's probably gone. You've got a shootout between three of the best young I don't know, Sullivan's handy, but at least two of the, the best young under-20 halves in the country to play alongside someone like Luai, um, provided we get him, obviously. But for me, it's a no-brainer. And I get his, I get that he rubs you the wrong way. I get he's arrogant. I don't like any of that stuff. He's also never been in trouble with the law. He's also got three kids and he's a, a strong family man and has close ties to his community and does a lot of uh, charity work outside of things. Now, I'm not trying to paint the bloke as a saint, but I'm, all I'm saying is... I didn't know this until we until we showed an interest and they were talking about that. And I actually started to look up stuff about him and found this stuff out. Hmm. Um, and so, you know. I didn't know. Was he the right character? I knew that he was a father of three. But, yeah. Is he the right character as well? To me, I'm like, yeah. yes. You, yeah, you like, want people like that on your side. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, perfect example is probably Paul Gallen or Joshy Reynolds. Hate hated Paul Gallen unless he was wearing a Blues jersey. When he played a Blues yep. jersey, loved him. Hated Josh Reynolds unless he played in a Blues jersey. And then when he came to us, I loved him. Thought he was great. I'll have probably the exact same opinion of Luai. Hated Luai when he played for the Panthers. Cocky little prick. Loved him when he played for the Blues. If he comes to I'll us, he'll be my new favourite player. Oh, I love Robbie all the time. That doesn't matter. No, no. But I'm, but I'm saying if, if Robbie Farrer played for another team, would have hated him. Oh, yeah. 100%. Arrogant, cocky, all that sort of oh, – super competitive. So um, let's then look at – but before we talk about the benefits to that possible signing and what it could mean, which we'll delve into a little bit because I do want to get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty about what it would actually do – these types of things don't get unpacked. It's very surface-level commentary. Speaking of commentary, I'm not going to go through and pull up a number of uh, headlines and a number of 
um, articles that have been written about this sort of potential signing, I should say. And bar David Riccio and um, uh, who was it? Reed, Brent Reed, the other day on the Daily Telegraph podcast. Bar those two, it's the first time I've ever heard them say the opposite of what I'm about to say. It has been constant, typical. Why would they want him? Why would he go there? They're going to pay overs. All their signings have always ended in tragedy. Tigers never make anybody better. He'd just be going for the money. Blah, blah, blah. Versus the Bulldogs, who have signed 29 of their 30 players as 14s, and they are now the utility drawer of clubs. You look at the names, yet it's, oh, look at the depth that they've created. Look at the versatility in the guys they've brought in. They've brought in professionalism. They've brought in season first graders, blah, 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 blah. Are you surprised by the commentary around a potential Luai signing to our club? Or are you not? I'm always it's I'm not surprised at all. I'm always we're, we're always aware that we're gonna be the one that gets the most clickbait because we have the most passionate fans. I mean the the fact that we're not we're not what's the word I'm looking for? We're not somewhat praised for the probably the smart sort of retention and recruitment that we've done in the last two years compared to what the Bulldogs have done, which has just been a Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday sale. They've just literally, oh, you know, Blake Taft's free. Let's find him. Oh, Connor Tracy's free. Let's sign him. Oh, I don't even know who else. Jake Jake Turpin. Jamie like, yeah, Simon, Jake Turbin. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Like you like you said, they are literally five fourteens that they've signed. Five of mm. them. But yet they oh no, nah, but you know, Phil Gould knows what he's doing. Look what he did at Panthers. Yeah, good on him. He did a great job there at Panthers. He didn't do this, but <laughs> he didn't mm. sit there and sign and try to, you know, fix a leaky pipe with a band aid. He sat there and he took the pipe apart and he rebuilt it. And that's why the Panthers mm-hmm. are as successful as they are. Um, it's just, yeah, it's not surprising, but it's continually, continuously frustrating to con- mm. consistently see the Tigers, oh, this is a bad choice. Why would you do this? Oh, this is, you've done this wrong. You've done this wrong. And it, it, we all know that it's because of a news algorithm but it still makes that sort of journalism really, really frustrating to read, which in turn makes me not like the journalist. We all know I've... That's the other side of the coin. That's, you talk about algorithms, though. That's the other side of the coin. If they just put tigers in the headline, I'll still read it, even if it's positive. So why... And I said that Brent Reed and Ricky, if you haven't seen it or, or listeners haven't watched it, I think it was maybe the end of last week or maybe earlier. Yeah, it's probably the end of last week. They, they were talking about it, and basically they, they actually, for the first time I've, that I've heard a journalist say, they said that we feel sorry for the Tigers. They talk about how other teams pick on the Tigers, how they'll mention the Tigers in, in ABC or they'll they'll play dirty games. And they were talking about Matt Cameron, the CEO of Penrith, and how, um, how they have a history of starting to um, subtly express, when they know a player is probably about to leave, subtly express that, oh, it's about the money and this sort of stuff and plant seeds. 
to denigrate basically their likely destination. Now, I don't know if they know that Jerome's going to us or if it's just them playing the game, but um, those two journalists, to their credit, is actually a refreshing listen. We're defending our, our club, which is fucking ridiculous. It's interesting rare. that it's Brent Reid that does that as well. Yeah, I know, exactly right. Um, but if they... If, if I went to Fox Sports or Daily Telegraph or Sydney Morning Herald or whatever trash news outlet I go to to read a lot of my, my league stuff and I see something like Tiger's blueprint um, for uh, reversing wooden spoons with Luai at the centre, something like that, and they talk about how something like good on Benji and the Tigers for going after a big fish, here's the reasons why he could be a great signing for them. Normally. On a, on a big potential signing at certain clubs, you will see maybe some negative commentary on it and some positive commentary on it. I've seen hardly any positive commentary with anybody sitting there going, he would be a Roy Asatasi signing for the Tigers. You know, like you said, he could be a linchpin or a game changer. He could be a turning point. He could be the type of signing that then can start to turn the club around. Normally you would see that in a variety of different struggling clubs when that happens. We don't. And once again, we haven't seen that here. Look, our avid listeners will know how much I harp on the media and the negativity and all that jazz. But at the end of the day, if he does come over, it will. I'm fairly confident that a lot of those journal, journalists will eat their words, but at the same time, they'll backtrack and say, well... You know, just he just need a bit of time, need a bit of this. They don't own any of the crap that they come up with. Um, yeah, but it is what that's it is. Very, that's very true. Absolutely, and and they they float with the breeze. Yeah, whatever the the common, you know, as you're talking about algorithms, whatever the common um, uh, rhetoric around getting the best clicks or the best attention or the best headline can be, then that's what they'll that's what they'll drum up, mate. Tell me this. What does Jerome Luai bring to the West Tigers uh, in 2025? And let me just say to you, Spine, Buller, Happy Coruscant, Jerome Luai, Latufainu, Bud Sullivan. Uh, I think what he brings is uh, probably the same thing that Happy brought in the fact that it's a never-die attitude. Like, you know, he can hate his antics all you want. You can call him a poser. You can call him, you know, all this, what you want to call him. The bloke just has this attitude about him that he never gives up. And, you know, that's that that's that competitiveness about him. And like I said, if he doesn't come to the Tigers and he goes somewhere else, I go back to disliking him again until he puts a Blues jersey on. But there is no denying the fact that that competitiveness is uh, also quite infectious. Um. You know, you've seen it time and time again at the Panthers, how, you know, and, you know, they're praised for it. And Luai is probably one of the main, um, one of the main people that tend to do this is get in the face of a teammate if they do something wrong. Remember there was that altercation between him and Jamin Sullivan, uh, Jamin Salmon, whatever his name is. Um, there was that altercation because Salmon stuffed up. And so Luai got in his face and said, listen to me or, you know, get off the field. And that's, you know, I've said it time and time again. Rugby league is not a sport 
to use kids gloves and it never will be and if it does it'll the the sport will not be what it is anymore you need to be tough both physically and mentally and sometimes that's harder than, than it's easier said than done but using kids gloves annoys me it's like they're not going to get it through their head if you just sit there and say oh you did a good job try to do better next time no you sit there and you say look you stuffed up don't do it again and that's what that's what um Luai will bring that sort of mentality of I don't expect second. Uh, I don't expect anything less than you're everything, and that sort of what you're talking about is expectations, and you're talking about uh, accountability, uh, driving yeah. and expectations yeah. and accountability. Yeah, and that sort of ties um, in really, really well with what Benji has come, gone about saying for his first year as a rookie coach was, "Look, yeah. we might not get all the wins that we want, but we won't die wondering." Yeah, and that's all you can ask for. I yeah, want wins, by absolutely. the way. What's that? I want wins, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think we uh, we all want the wins. Um, yeah, I I just think that the competitiveness as well. What I think, what I know for a fact, he doesn't bring is he does not bring in all the organised. Mate, you got to get some silicon spray into that chair of yours, fair nigga. <laughs> I've heard bloody more quiet. 1900s homes in the middle of a hailstorm. Um, he doesn't bring an organised, orthodox approach to his play. He he is the antithesis of Nathan Cleary in a lot of ways. If he comes, he would come to own the side. He'll come to most likely play halfback. We've been crying out for an organising halfback for 10, 15 plus years. We thought Luke, Luke Brooks was it. We bang our heads against the wall for near on 9, 10 years with him playing more of that running half in-between role. However, what I do like is the fact that I see a lot of Benji in Jerome um, and I see uh, I see a lot of eyes up football in him. Now, that may or may not be the best thing for a halfback, but what I also see is in Benji you have a person who made his name on pure talent on pure raw talent and instinct and ability. Uh, and Jerome in many ways probably probably as well. But if Benji Marshall's your coach, Benji had to transition into that organising role. And we saw through his stints at Brisbane, um, St George, and when he came back to us, he was basically a, a halves consultant who also happened to play on, on the weekend. You know, he, he would touch the ball enough that he needed to and, and get his team around the field much more akin to a classic halfback and so far removed from, from the kid that made the break in 2005 down the sideline that's the, the obviously perfect, untouchable intro to the Tiger Town podcast. So far removed from those two um, those two players uh, is what he became. If you are someone like Jerome Luai, if you have um, aspirations now that you've achieved uh, a... Um, Origin Series victory, three premierships, and you have aspirations to own a team, to play halfback. And more importantly than anything else, you want to grow, evolve, and create your game to be the most complete player you can. There is nobody who has done it better to guide you through that process than than Benjamin Quinton Marshall. He He wrote the textbook on how to change yourself from... Uh, that erratic, pure, raw, oozing talent fullback 
come 5-8 into that game manager. Um, so I think that that marries up particularly well and, and maybe of appeal to him. Um, but back back to that spine, mate. Like, let's say Fayunu comes good on, on some of his stuff and finds his feet. You'd be looking at Jerome Buller, Jerome, uh, Latu Fayunu at 5-8, Jerome um, Luai at halfback, and Api Coruscant at hooker. Mate, that's a that's a spine. That's, that's a spine. spine. Well, that's a spine matched with the forward pack that we're we're all very happy with. I feel like we're we're both in agreement in that. Like, I think that there could be a lot more done. Uh, I think that uh, Papali could have done a lot more. Maybe it was just him finding his way. Maybe it was just the fact that we didn't give him enough quality ball. I'm not sure. Maybe he'll you know rekindle that. Amazing run at Parramatta next year. Who knows? But apart Look, from that... Both, both he and Bateman will be better. They both were somewhat underwhelming. Yep. Cool. Everyone yep. knows this. Everyone heard it. They're not better. Both he and Bateman Move out of your house. Will, will be better. And how could they not be? I mean, Bateman arrived, what, a week before the season started. Had no preseason whatsoever. Didn't play for the first two or three weeks. Papali, he um and ah, and then came across and then had that shambles of a game plan that Sheen's tried to implement with 200 passes a day, whatever nonsense that was. Had a different reserve grade halves combination every week to try to run off. Um, that'll be better, no doubt. So you add that spine to a, you know, obviously we're, we're in agreement that if he does come, it won't be until 2025. And so if, you know, they continue to improve. Think about the forward pack the next year. You know, that's that to me sounds like a force to be reckoned with as well. Like, you know, people think that it's a five year plan, but if that if that comes to fruition, it's the plan's there in twenty twenty five. Yeah. So. Yes. Is it is it the end of the world if we don't get him? No. I will be pissed off. Don't get me wrong. I think that with everything we've done in trying to sign these halves and they just, you know, use this as chess pieces to get more money from their current club, it pisses me off. But, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Um, but I think that we've got enough in terms of that talent coming through to not exactly, I guess... Um, rectify that issue, but it, it's enough for me to be confident that it won't last for very long. So, yeah. uh, you and I had this discussion off air, maybe yesterday, the day before, where you mentioned, look, if this was two or three years down the track, we probably wouldn't even have a bar of the white. I'd probably think that we'd already have our halves sorted with whoever we've got coming through, whether it is Bud, whether it is um, Latu, whether Galvin develops into something quite special. Um, but I still think that we're, we're, we're not going to get into 2025 anyway, which means that if we, one more year of developing these youngs might be more than, might be enough. So yeah, in long story short, it's not the end or the be all. The other good thing, and you mentioned three big names. Sullivan we've got for four years, Latu we've got for four years, and I think Galvin we've got for three starting next year from memory. 
I think it's three, maybe four as well. So all these guys are signed up long-term um, pretty well. The good thing about that scenario, and don't get it twisted, Lachlan Galvin is elite. So yeah, well, very few people have very few people have dominated and destroyed at schoolboy level like him. Granted, it's schoolboy level, right? Latu is the same, but is a is a prodigious talent and always was coming up, hasn't made his mark yet, has the opportunity to do so. However, these blokes also have versatility. So these are not Adam Reynolds in uh, Toyota Cup for South situation. Adam Reynolds is an out-and-out halfback, right? If he's coming through the Toyota Cup, you need to be able to have that space available and you need to facilitate Reynolds working his way into that squad in an effective manner. Latu is versatile, can organise, primarily a running 5'8", played hooker for Tonga um, in the Pacific um, in the Pacific test off the bench. Galvin, I think he's already six foot four at the age of 18, has been playing halfback and 5'8". He's six foot four. So mm-hmm. he has, if not ball playing lock, most likely in my opinion, possibly centre if, he, if he's got enough toe. I don't know how toe he, he is speed-wise. Uh, second row, long-term. Yeah. So um, he, he, by virtue of the fact that he's going to grow into a big frame, he has versatility, which means we can play him in other positions other than the halves. He's a big lad. Um, and the other one being Sullivan as well, he's versatile. He can play, obviously, a strong running game, but came through as an organising halfback. Again, a lot, of, a lot of people don't know this. Um, and then, obviously, is an ideal 14, has played 14 for um, St. George on a number of occasions, can play hooker. So it's not out of the realms of possibility that we can fit a Luai in there, keep Galvin, Latu and um, uh, Sullivan and be able to work them all into this system. You've then got Talon De Silva to come in and do a, a transition as, as Coruscant, um finishes up in, well, he's still at three years now when he extended, is yeah. that right? Yeah, finishes in 2026. Yeah. Okay, so in my opinion and off the back of what you just said, a, a signing of someone like Luai, what it does do is it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily future-proof us. I think we've already, not future-proof, but I think we're, we're set up pretty well long-term with young halves. But I think what it does is it brings that forward. So it brings from the moment that he hits the, laces up a boot in 2025, again, caveat, if he comes, we don't have a good track record about major signings, then I just think it, it brings that plan forward and it means that we have a competitive team ready to go. If Jerome Luai in 20, is here in 2025, and we've got these other boys, as you said, another year older, play first grade at 19 and 20 easily, then I think that we have a team ready to get vie for top eight and who knows from there? Who knows who comes through? Um, so I think it's a, I think Luai is an acceleration of the plan signing. I want him. I agree. It's not the end of the world, but, oh, geez, it would be a rough miss, particularly because of how good a fit he is and how he is a legitimate opportunity, a legitimate chance. Moses, maybe it was just money. Munster was never never a shot. Um, who was the other one we went after? Went after Luttrell a few years ago. Uh, he had a handshake agreement, so possibly. But, you know, Luai seems like he's a legitimate opp- a legitimate chance of, of coming to the club, whether it comes to fruition or not. Apparently he wants a decision made before the start of next week. Which is when he's due to return to Panthers training. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it could be something that's happening soon. Oh, I yeah, I'll be um, I'll be very very happy if it does happen. The messaging out of Penrith would would indicate that it hasn't it hasn't been overly confident. Clearly, sowing seeds of doubt about whether he's up to it. Matt Cameron, I said, the CEO, talking about you know ludicrous offers that team Fletcher did. was the CEO. Brian Fletcher. Who did I say, Matt Cameron? Brian Fletcher. Matt. I get confused. Who's Matt Cameron? He's someone James over Cameron's there. Somewhere. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, whoever it was. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's bad on my behalf. I should have those names right. Well, they're not Tigers. They're Penrith. Who cares? I could fuck them up all yeah, the exactly. way. Exactly. Um, the messaging would indicate it that it, maybe it's happening. But, mate, does he sign? Yes or no? Yes. But I said the same thing about Moses. Yeah, well, that's true. We did. We left a bit more in the lurch about that. Yeah, but there was not a lot of conf- – like, there was yes yeah, without, as was, much, without as much, I guess, sway going our way that there is blue eye. Like you said, the the all the media, all the comms coming out of Penrith doesn't seem very confident that he's going to stay, especially considering they've used this term – consistently throughout the proceedings is you can't blame him for taking the money. It's like he's already taken the money. Mm. And that's the thing. I mean, Penrith can't, I think Penrith said they can offer him 800 a year and that's capped, you know, out of the two, you'll keep Cleary out of the two. But, you know, we obviously will be throwing a bit of coin at him, making one of the highest paid players in the game. Um, but the thing that frustrates me, and it really frustrates me, is everyone's like, you can't pay him that much. You can't pay him that much. But yet when, you know, Kalen Ponga was signed to a four-year deal with the Knights for $1.4 million, they're like, oh, this is a great re-signing. Why? Probably because Andrew Johns was there to sort of have a bit of a word to him. Who knows? But what has Kalen Ponga done Clubland? Yeah, he's won a couple of origins at fullback. And yes, he is a freak of nature. Do not get me wrong. But you've got Luai, like you said, who's played in four uh, four grand finals, won three of them, has led a test side to a semi-final. It's, for me, it's... it's, He didn't play number number 17 in those, for 12 minutes in those grand finals. He played in the halves in all four of them. Exactly. No. Yeah. Okay. What about Um, you? Do you think he's coming? I'm going, to, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to say no. And I'm simply going to say that we'll get gazumped. Either Penrith will find an extra 100 and it's going to be enough to keep him, or the Bulldogs or someone that has a history of coming in and just sweeping big signings up in a big wave of of whatever they're selling will come and, and nab him. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can actually finally get one. We, we, we need one. We need a big well, signing. One of us has to be right, so. Yeah. Hopefully it's you for the first time. Yeah, I know. You, you don't particularly like me being right, so how'd that feel? Well, mate, it's been a couple of decades since it happened, so I've got to you know, <laughs> go back to um, my old Nokia phone but to find the text message that it happened once. Was it 2001, maybe? Uh, I think it was oh. the summer of 2002. It worked, definitely, summer of 2002. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I fell over. I was that surprised you actually got something right. 
2024 predicted lineup, mate, round one. Now, ignoring the fact that, of course, Latu Fahunu is facing a one-match suspension for a dangerous throw in the 12 minutes that he played in the Tongan match. Ignore that. If he's in your side, ignore it. Let's just do it together. It takes too long to go individually. Fullback, big mystery. Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be um, Noffa. <laughs> so, Dream Buller at fullback. Who are your wingers? I mentioned mine earlier. you got Stains yeah, and Tupo. Stains and Tupo. Centers. Olam and Tyre. Yeah. Olam will be there, in my opinion. Yep. And Olam and, and Stafford Tell will be who I pick. Um, there's a possibility in Naden, but I need to see Naden find some consistency and a bit of grunt back in his yeah. game. Yeah. If he can, he's a shot. Um, all right, 5-8. Bud Sullivan. Yeah. And uh, I agree. Aiden Caesar will be starting halfback. Yep. Yep. Front rowers pick themselves. Stefan Clemmer, Appy picks yep. himself. Um, in fact, the rest of the forward back bar, the 13, probably pick themselves. Obviously, the two second rowers in Bateman and Ice. Who's your 13? Start round one. Matamua. I yeah. think he showed enough to be that linchpin in the middle. And I think a full preseason. Yeah, I think it's his time. And I think the days of picking Pole at um, lock, in my opinion, in my opinion, hopefully are numbered. He can do a job there, but I don't like a, a third prop. I no. like I like that linchpin. So who's your bench? Who's your 14? De Silva. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other three? Polo, Twole. And this one's going to be, I'm going to go with um, with Fainu. Samuela? Samuela. Yep. Okay, what are your reasoning? What are your reasonings behind, I guess, yeah, picking pick Sam? I think that he, I think the back end of what he did for the Sea Eagles in adding that grunt off the bench was pretty impressive. I think that he's definitely somebody that I could see benefit a lot from actually having, um, you know, being in that side consistently and you know, grow into that role. Um, I also think that, you know, like I said, Safarth was probably our most improved all year but we've got more than enough to essentially keep him out now. Um, I think he'll be a fringe first grader again. I think he'll be back up if he need, if we need him. And I just think Samuel has got a lot more skill than a lot of our forwards. I think that he's probably a carbon copy of Sean Bloor in my opinion. So that's yeah. mine, but that's the thing. That's um, I also think, you know, Benji's come out and he said that um, no one's no one's guaranteed a spot. Uh, you show enough, you work hard enough, you will be rewarded. And the fact that he showed up two weeks early for preseason, has been there from day one. From what I hear, has been leading a lot of the runs, been leading a lot of the uh, aggression work, um, or the weights work. Sorry, who's that? Some Weller. Okay. Um, not leading the runs in saying like actually capping the times, but from the forwards perspective, he's been like really trying to be a leader. 
That's yeah. what I heard on a, on the forums and stuff like that. Could be completely wrong, but that they're, they're pretty impressed with his, his preseason so far. So that could yep. be another reason why. But I just like the look of him, and I think that he can do a job in the back row and the forwards, very similar to what Bloor can do. Yep. Sounds good yourself? Um, I've got a bit of a different bench. I, I play Talon um, in cup. Okay. And he'll play first grade, but I'm playing him a lot in cup. And I'm the same with Latu. Um, because I want I want those two to start to strike up a combo. I want them to play a lot of football together. Yep. And I want them to play a lot of football against men together because uh, I think those two can work quite well. You're going to have the likes of Felidi in there as well. Um, yep. We know Latu where he had a pretty good combination with. So I'm, we've still got Jake Simcoe on the books. So Jake Simcoe's my 14. Um, I think he plays. I think he plays a good um, option and a good foil there for um, Coruscant. The alternative is to stack the forward pack. If Coruscant is going to play 80 minutes this year, um, then we can stack the forward pack. You can have Matamura in lock. Who could, in the event that Appy got injured, Matamura has played some hooker. So that's a possibility that he could slide in there as your backup, in which case you'd play four forwards. But I'd go probably Jake Simkin off um, at 14, 12, uh, Polay, and I like Sam Weller as well. Um, in the event, in the event that um, uh, we don't play Jake, for example, then we would play obviously a fourth forward. It, it's hard to say at this moment, but depending on how they've gone through the off season, it's not out of the realms of possibility to to have someone like Kit, yeah, playing in the seventeen jersey. It's a very young bench, but physically. He and Sam Weller are very ready. Sam Weller obviously already played a couple himself. Um, and you think about the punch of having Sam Weller, Polay, and Kit coming off the bench. Um, that's that gets my that gets my um, gets me going. So, yeah, exactly. So very very young, um, very very inexperienced. But you would have Twal and, and Polay, who whilst young, Polay oh, is quickly becoming a bit of a an elder head in that young crew. So, um, yeah, that's depending on the depending on the horses for courses situation, that could be a go as well. And honestly, wouldn't be upset with that either. We know that Appy can play 80, so. Yeah, exactly. And, and he probably that, wants to. And you know to that honest. if he does go down and we don't have a forward on the bench, you know that Madame Moore can slot in there if he needs to do a serviceable job. Or yeah. he needs to do his service to his halves and he can do that, so. Yeah, and I think that that type of side will evolve over the course of the year. I think as you want to bring Talon in, as you want to bring Filetti in possibly, and particularly as you want to bring Latu in to get some game time up in the top grade, I think that you play around with some of those selections, injuries um, aside. I think someone like Latu can play 14 perfectly, but obviously if Talon's there, then that's going to be a bit tricky as well. But you can play around with a few of those options too. So that's just for round one. um, I do do like that idea but of TDS and Fino getting a bit of combination in cup. So that's actually yeah. going to change my opinion. I think I'll go with Simkin yeah. as well because now that you said that out loud, it's a really, really, really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, they need they need to because hopefully those two are going to be part of our spine for the next decade. Yeah. They're that good. Um and they're both eighteen year old kids and they've got to they've got to play together a bit and they've got to play against men. Um once, once they find their feet there, I've got no doubt that they will dominate New South Wales Cup. I mean, Latu already was tearing, tearing um, New South Wales Cup to shreds for Blacktown at certain points in the year last year. So, yeah, that's me. Yep. Um, 
mate. Now, a couple of predictions, and I promise, folks, we are at an hour and 20, and we, we have a little bit to go, but we are sort of getting our way through. We're in the prediction stage now, so we're consulting the crystal ball, our crystal balls on rare occasions are somewhat uh, clear, but often they're very foggy, but let's see how we, we go, mate. We had one very clear weekend last season, if anyone remembers. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah the, the clouds parted. We were yeah, we yeah. nailed it, but it, it is few and far between. Short of bold predictions, we're going to make a couple of left field choices. We're going to pick the Kelly Barnes, so the, who's going to be our MVP next year. We're going to pick uh, Rookie of the Year, which will be interesting, and then obviously where we finish. Uh, yep. Let's start the last one first. Where are we going to finish next year? What's the going to, year going to look like? How's it going to play out? We're going to finish ninth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd pray for ninth at the moment, mate. We're going to finish ninth. Hundred percent. We're gonna just well, miss we're gonna, out. We're gonna be ninth at the end of round one. Huh? What's that? What'd you say? I said we're gonna be ninth at the end of round one anyway. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. That sucks. Um It's great. We're gonna be ahead of eight teams. Yeah, but we don't get to watch the footy until round two. Oh I know. That's all right. Yeah. Well everyone else is getting injured. Yeah, oh, Turbo's pulling a hamstring and Munster's doing an ankle and everyone else. Brooksy's doing an his other hamstring. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to talk about that bloke. Uh, I like okay. Brooksy, but I don't want to talk about him. Okay. Um, we're going to finish ninth. Okay, how's the season going to play out? Is it just going to be consistent? Some good, some bad? Are we going to start hot, finish poor? What's going to happen? They're going to start hot, finish poor. I think that the youth's going to set us off at the start. But it's going to let us yeah, down that, the end. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Benji, um, I don't. I'm not that optimistic. Um, I still think we're like always. All teams have a range, right? But we've got to actually make a prediction. I'm going to say that we're going to finish about twelfth. Um, I, I think next year is going to be another season where we're going to have a lot of close losses again. I don't think, to your point, youth, I don't think we have the executional strength uh, and experience to be able to execute on those small wins. I think it was or small losses. I think it was something like seven games last year. We lost by six points or less. Yeah. Um, and I think if you extend that out to 10 points, I think it was like something like 10 games or something. So um, I think that's going to hurt us again. Uh, but yeah, 11th or 12th for me. So it's a slow march up, but then I think as the squad matures, being so young, I think then 2025 and beyond is when we're going to really start to see a bit of improvement. So, yeah, look, 12th is is pretty um, pretty morbid to think about at this at this stage, but it's certainly a lot better than 17th. Yep. Two more to that. Just this is something we discussed, but who do you think will get the wooden spoon? I mean, it's very hard to go past the Dragons. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it is a surprising team. Um, and look, if the Dolphins cop an injury or two, mm-hmm. I think they're in major strife. If if Flegler, Flegler or um, Farnsworth. Uh, Farnsworth go down, or even someone like Jermaine Asako. I think yep. that they won a lot of tight games off the back of his boot and his finishing. And, or or Hamaso Tabuifido. Um, I think they're still very skinny in their squad. And so they could struggle. Um, I don't see the likes of uh, 
the Warriors and Newcastle getting down that low, but I we're sort of getting into year predictions. We'll do the start of next year, but I can see those two sides sliding, maybe not quite that far. I'd say the Dragons, um, yep. only because I'm not going to say us as well, um, but I could see the Dolphins being down there. I can see Canterbury, Canterbury really struggling. Um, they still have a laughable forward back, and they don't have set halves. They've got utilities who are all fighting for it. Um, and yep. Cameron Serraldo has shown nothing in terms of ability to execute on game plans and was actually getting berated by some of his players last year, not least of all Raymond for Taylor Marida for a Madge-style training system. So there's a lot to play out at Canterbury, and we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yep. What about you? Same. Literally, except I didn't think of the Dolphins, but I had the Dragons. I just... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's their... Yeah. We all know what they can bring and what they can't, so... It's their time, too. I think that they're a couple of years behind us in terms of realising where they are with cap and, and um, signings and squad and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they what they do. Um, it was a lot closer last year between us and them than, than some people might care to think. I also don't rate the Titans in the slightest. I don't know how they finished where they did last year, and I don't rate Des Hasler in the slightest. I think he ruins salary caps and he, he, um, he overspends, and I... I yeah. think he's got a couple of decent ideas, but I think they're going to struggle too. The, the Titans are a team that are so shit and irrelevant, I forgot about them in the discussion. So there you go. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? Um, we always have those teams that we just don't like. And, you know, we hated Panthers for so long because Ivan was a douche. You know, we don't like Broncos because... Was. Did you say was? No, because he is a douche. Present tense. Um, be correct. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can't stand the Broncos because they're a Queensland team. Um, Roosters, because they just cheat everything. But I actually think that my most disliked team is the Titans because they just, they're the worst franchise. Like you think Canberra is. I think they're the worst franchise in rugby league. They're just yeah, there they're because there was a space in the Gold Coast and they get no fans going to their games. They get nothing. Like we, we we're coming dead last and we were getting packed out like our oval games. They're a, side, they're a franchise to me that just seem to have no background or culture to them. No. They're just no like a complete, it's a completely superficial, like, go down to the shop and buy a franchise. Um, <laughs> like it's just so manufactured and artificial. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's the same as the Gold Coast in general. It just, everything about it sucks. It's just, it's vapid. It's bereft of any history. Like, there's just, what, what are you going to talk about at you? Your old boys' night, like Wes Patton and the Chargers. Like, what are you? Hopeless, woeful. You went on the tangent of how much the Gold Coast sucks. They suck, mate. I'm, I'm with you. Just the Gold Coast in general. Back on track. We're good at that. All right. We did. We're Kelly very Barnes. good. Best and fairest next year, the Kelly Barnes Award. I mean, very, very right. hard to go past Appy. I think Appy's going to step up another gear. Yep. What about, I'll, I'll give you, I agree. Um, I think he's going to be spectacular the whole time he's at our club. I actually reckon he'll move into coaching under Benji when he's finished, to be honest. I reckon he'll Ooh, step into a, nice. a trainer slash assistant role. because I think he loves the club. He was a supporter. Um, I'll give you a second guess. You can have a, a 2.0, a mulligan if you if it were. Um, give me a left field winner. Left field? 
I'm going to say Bud. I don't think Bud might have oh, actually yeah. an impact. Mm. So there you go. I see his head. I see his head in the game, and I see him having direction and knowing his role in this squad. Whereas in the Dragons, I think he sort of just come in and he was playing a bit here and a bit there and. Talatau Amon was there and he'd play a bit off the bench and then play some Reggies and maybe didn't know where he sat in the club. and yeah. So I can see that. What about yourself? Um, mine's, mine's Bateman. Yeah. I think, okay. he's just, I think he's just going to play himself to a standstill and he's just going to wear his heart on his sleeve and I think it's just going to be uber appreciated by the club and the fan base and people are going to notice and he's he's going to be described hanging happy as the heartbeat of the club at some point during the year and I think, if there's a left field option that isn't Happy Coruscant, I reckon it's going to be Bateman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Look. I'll go so far as to say he's got four years with us. I'm going to say next year is going to be his best year at the club, which kind of sucks for the following two years, but I reckon he's going to have a, a block. <laughs> but yeah. if we all remember, there was a certain English back row that came to us and didn't have an immediate impact, but the second year, holy shit, was he good. Did anyone rem- like we all? You and I know who we're talking about, and it's my favorite player of all time, Gareth Ellis. Schofield, but, exactly. Yeah, Schofield, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it, history can repeat itself. Mm, yeah, it can. Okay, rookie of the year. Look, if the bench goes the way that you predicted with four forwards, I could go with Kit. With Kit. I think Kit could definitely get there, but it'd just be interesting who steps up to the mark and what spots are available. Um, look, I'm just going to stick with Kit. I think he's got the more of a chance of getting more game time than the others. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's probably a heavy consideration too. Um, obviously, I'd be Latu if he was the obvious choice, and he might well be over Bud. We're thinking Bud at the minute. But um, Latu may well be the guy, um, and and you know depending on how Galvin comes on too. But I think those boys we're going to see a lot more twenty twenty five and onwards. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a fair a fair bet. Um, yeah, it sort of you're right. It sort of comes down to how much game time are some of these young boys going to be exposed to as well. Yeah, uh, how much time are they going to see? And then what rookies are left in the squad? You. Get, you could probably count Matamua. He's played less than five, I think, or thereabouts. Samuel has yeah. played less than five. Kit's played one. Folletti's played one. Latu hasn't played. Um, Talon's probably played too many now to feature, I'd say. Um, so I might say What's, then off the back of that. Say, if you say TDS has played in, like too many to feature, I would go and say that Matamua was probably in that boat as well. I think Matamua has only played two Oh, um, I swear he's played more than two. But I could be wrong. I do. Have Definitely. Three games Justin Matamua played. Let's have a look. Mate, I'm thinking possibly three. Uh, he has played seven. There you go. Wow. I was right again. Two two times in tonight I've been right. Hey, let's, not get too, let's not get too exaggerated. I'm let's not exaggerating. The tally shows. Did you say seven or you just said more than five? I just said more than five. Yeah. You said less than well, five. Well, there you go, eh? You said less right. than five. So one of us is right, one of us is wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at the point where we're starting to descend into utter chaos. So yeah. we know that we're probably we're getting, both delirious. Right, getting, 
sick of our voices. So you've got Kit Lalee as your. And I've got. I'll go Fainu. Fainu. I haven't heard him say his own name, so I'm interested to hear that. I'm going to say it's Fainu. Uh, simply by virtue of the fact that he hopefully will play a handful of games and that'll be enough to to get that. In lieu of that, if he doesn't play a whole lot next year, um, then Matamu is mine. Oh, no, he wouldn't qualify, would he? You can't. Look, you're wrong again. Just yeah. go with Samuela. Okay, I'll go with um, I'll go with I'll go with one of the Fayuna boys. Yeah, there's that go. for a really See, old, there you that's a really old call, isn't it? All right, mate. I think we've walked through the list effectively. I think we've done an okay job for a couple of blokes right. that have had a couple of months. Anything else you want to uh, touch on before we wrap up our preseason show and bid our listeners adieu for twenty twenty three? No, I don't think so. I'm just. Yeah, hopefully we hear some news about Luai by the end of this week because that's kind of his, de- his own deadline. So, You know the other thing that we're going to hear? Ola? Tonight is a big board meeting. Ah, so the reviews come out. So I think from uh, what I can tell uh, or from what I've heard tonight is when they're presenting, tonight being last night, folks, if you're listening to the show, today in your ears, which is going to be Wednesday tonight, Tuesday for us. Um, yeah, the, the board is being presented with the findings of the review. So if nothing else, we don't have a follow-up pod planned for next week, but I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out a fair bit of information one way or the other. Um, Luai, most likely. If we likely, get a big, big news week this week with a few signings and a few axings, we're going to have to do another one. Oh, mate, if, if our hand is forced, our hand is forced and Listeners, apologies if, if that happens because you'll have to listen to our horrible voices all over again, but uh, we just may have to do it. It might be a public service. It is what it is. Yeah. No, mate, there's news coming. So let's wait and see how we go. Speaking of public services, here's my public service announcement that we wrap up the show with every single week for avid, avid listeners. They will know that. Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, you know where to find us. We might even venture out into Apple Podcasts next year. Who knows? That's a bit beyond me, but maybe my tech friend over here, Mr. Toby, will uh, be able to guide me through that. We'll see how we go. Two podcasts that do things as well as us, the Westlife Podcast, and, of course, the late, the late, the great uh, West Tigers Podcast, uh, of which we are giant fans of and and, uh, talk to regularly because those boys are absolutely, absolute legends. Uh, get on over to their platforms. Again, the West Life Podcast and the West Tigers Podcast. Both of them are spectacular listens every single week. Maybe not in the off-season, but I know for a fact that at the very least the West Tigers Podcast did a, a cracker a week or so back. It's well worth a listen. Stay tuned to them. Yeah. Um, mate, that's us. That's us for 2023 at this stage, barring any unforeseen spectacular news that, look, we might be manifesting it in the universe. Who knows? So you might still hear our voices. If we do, I promise to don the Santa hat again. What about you? I'm done. You're done with the Santa hat? Done with the Santa hat. I'm going to be... Bum, you are bum, bum. Mate. Maybe I'll get you a Grinch mask or something if we have to do a bonus show. Maybe. Like, if that works, it'll probably increase viewership, so... Outside of that, folks, um, expect to see our ugly mug, mugs approximately mid-January. 
We're going to have a lot of a uh, lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to be full preseason mode at that point. That point, we're going to start talking squad changes. We're going to start talking trials up upcoming, uh, and any other whispers or scuttlebutt around around the area. And we might even get uh, beloved guest Todd on the show for some big predictions for the year, and we'll re- revisit all that sort of stuff, mate. I can't wait for it. Holiday season's coming up. Uh, a good little break from the pod, and we're going to come back fresh and better in the Benji era in twenty twenty four. What do you yeah, reckon? Yeah, better. Mate, we've got nothing else to do but to say for one final time for 2023, go the mighty Benji Marshall's West Tigers. Go the West Tigers.